Take your Bibles this morning and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, will you please? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Throughout 2019, we have had a wellness check. A wellness check of the church. And we have been trying to determine what you look for in a healthy church. You know, we're all part of the body. And I am so thankful that God has given to us his son, Jesus Christ, to work in our hearts and to challenge us and change us so that we might have a proper relationship with our Savior. And as we look at the body of Christ, we understand that it's all about who Jesus Christ is. Come, let us adore him. But you and I have the responsibility of living out who he is. Not only outside these walls, but inside these walls. Over the last number of weeks, we have looked at the assignment that we believe God has given to us, our mission statement. And we have talked about how we can continue to multiply Christ-like disciples who are passionate, who are obedient, who are dependent upon God, who are connected to each other, who are authentic and relevant so that we can multiply Christ-like disciples. But I think the capstone of all of this is the recognition that you and I need to be authentic and relevant. We need to take our passion, our obedience, our dependence, our connectedness, and live it out in a world where they see the real deal. And they recognize we are who we say we are, Christ-like disciples. Understanding that that is indeed the responsibility that God has given to us. You see, Christ-like disciples are relevant. This isn't just a pie-in-the-sky kind of thing. This isn't just something that you and I talk about. Josh McDowell has said this, Christianity fails if it's not applicable to life on this earth. Conversely, Christian experience is of no significance if the life, death, and resurrection of Christ are not factual events in history. These two are interdependent and inseparable. Now, you and I would believe, right? We would believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Somebody say amen. Because that is our foundation. But the reality is, Christianity fails if it's not applicable to life. If it doesn't work, what good is it? If it doesn't give to me a foundation for the practical outworking of the Word of God in my life and your life, who cares? I mean, so what? That's why it's so important that Christ-like disciples are authentic and that we live an authentic life. That's why it's so important that Christ-like disciples are relevant. I love this book. It's a book that was given to us some 20 centuries ago. As holy men of God were moved as he spoke by the Holy Spirit of God, But it's a foundation in the 21st century. Do you believe that? 
and God makes it relevant to our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to read with you, you follow along in your copy of the text please, a rather extensive passage of scripture. And I want to start with verse 11 of chapter 5, and I want to go down through verse 10 of chapter 6. So you're going to have to bear with me, all right? Follow along. Let the Word of God speak to your hearts. Let the Spirit of God take His truth and apply it to our lives. But I want you to hear what Paul says about being authentic and relevant. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And God's people said, verse 18, all this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time, behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, Genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet true. 
as unknown and yet well known as dying and behold we live as punished yet not killed as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as pure poor yet making many rich as having nothing yet possessing everything may god add his blessing to the reading of his word as we take it and apply it to our hearts and live it out through our lives for his honor and glory. Amen. Now, as we read that passage of Scripture, we discovered that there were five therefores. Did you pick them up? And every time there is a therefore, you want to make sure you understand what it's? All right. So, so let's look at the five therefores because it gives to us a foundation. A foundation that we need if we are going to be authentic and relevant. The first, therefore, is found in verse 11. We started with it, right? Therefore, now as you look at the screen, you will find the verse where the therefore is, and then you will discover what it's there for. All right? So in the red, it's not verse 11. I know that, you know that. The red is what it's there for. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade it. What's it there for? It's there because we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I don't know if that makes you solemn or not, but it does me. Recognizing that one day I am going to have to stand before God and give an account for me. Now, you can be thankful that you don't have to stand before God and give an account for me. Just as I am thankful, I don't have to stand before God and give an account for you. Now, the reality is, as a pastor, I have to stand before God and give an account for my ministry for you. My ministry to you. And how I, by the Holy Spirit, was led to impact your lives with the Word of God. I take that responsibility very, very seriously. Some of you have heard me say often, Sundays are coming. You know, Sunday always gets here. And ready or not, here we are. And I know how solemn it is to recognize the responsibility I have to stand before God. And give an account for me. But that's true in all of our lives. Therefore, one day we're going to appear before the Lord. Jump down to verse 14, will you please? For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore we've all... Aren't you thankful that Christ died for all? Amen? Isn't that great? Everyone in here, Christ died for you individually. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that you individually would believe on him, you'd not perish but have everlasting life. If you were the last person on earth, God would love you enough to send his son. But why did he do that? Because all were dead. <laughs> all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. We may be pretty good people, but we're all dead in our trespasses and sins. 
And therefore, the love of Christ constrains us because we judge that one died for all because we're all dead. Look down at the next one, verse 16, will you please? From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, we could flesh all this out, and this is a little difficult. This, verse 15 and 16 are a little, little difficult to work your way through, but here it is. We have a higher calling. You and I, as children of God, have been called to be authentic and relevant as we represent the wonder of God. We are all gospel presenters. This morning in our ABF class, we are going through spiritual gifts. And we are talking about the speaking gifts. And the first speaking gift that we looked at was the evangelist. How many in here would consider themselves an evangelist? All right, I see one. I see some. Not, not all of us are evangelists. Not all of us have been gifted with evangelism. But all of us are gospel presenters. You don't have to have the gift of, of evangelism to go out and be a light in this world. You don't have to have the gift of evangelism to go out and be salt. We are all gospel presenters. And the reality is, therefore, we have a higher calling. And that's important if we're going to be authentic and relevant. Jump down to verse 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. There's another therefore, right? And what's it there for? It's there because the gospel changes things in our lives. Amen? You hear me say it often. Challenge, change, conform to the character of Christ. Amen? The gospel changes things in our lives. And we talked about being connected together and how it's the gospel that has brought us together. But the gospel also changes things if we are going to be authentic and relevant for him. Because I'm now aware of God's love for me and how he has given to me a new life in his son, Jesus Christ. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Amen. You ain't the same old person you used to be. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And if we're not, then we shouldn't act that way either, should we? Talk about that in just a little bit. Therefore, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Why? Because the gospel has changed us. The recognition that God loved me so much that he sent his son to be my savior changed everything. Connie and I, some of you have heard these stories, met when Connie was in the seventh grade and I was in the eighth grade. We were in a typing class together. You do remember typewriters. That was before keyboards. And Connie had a desk all by herself, and I sat in the back row between two other girls, Pam and Debbie. You notice I'm looking at my wife, need conversation on this, and she has not gone like this yet. We started to like each other. Now, I recognized as being a little older, I was in the eighth grade, you understand, that I had a responsibility to let her grow up before I really got a connection with her. 
So I waited till she was in the eighth grade before I kissed her the first time. We went together all through high school. In fact, in my senior, in my senior year in our high school yearbook, there is a full-page picture of Connie and me holding hands. Now, Connie was a junior. I was a senior. Connie and me holding hands, running through a field together because they wanted a couple that they thought would stay together. Aw, that's sweet. I graduated, went off to Bible College, Faith Baptist Bible College. Connie uh, finished her education at Menford High School in Menford, Ohio. OH, thank you. I thought I might get one. And before she graduated from high school, she had an engagement ring. We waited two years to get married. And between my junior and senior year of college, we got married. And I tell you all of that to say this, things changed. Big time things changed. I said I do. She said okay. And we moved to Iowa. The land of corn and swine. And things changed. And they've been getting gooder and gooder ever since. Last May was 46 years. I trust that in your life, since you came in contact with the gospel, things have changed and have gotten gooder and gooder. Isn't it great? Any man in Christ, he is a new creation. Things changed. And they got gooder and gooder. Should have Pastor Spencer come up and sing to us, sweeter as the day goes by. Amen? That's the gospel. Therefore, therefore, we're new creatures because of the gospel. Now, we're talking about authentic and relevant, right? And it's the gospel that makes a difference. There's one more. It's down in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And the therefore is this, because you and I have been given the ministry and the message of reconciliation. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We are ambassadors. Why? Because you and I have the message and ministry of reconciliation. Ray Stedman helps us understand a little bit about this and how the gospel changes things in our lives. And I do not want any of us today to discount the gospel as it helps us understand what it is to be authentic and relevant. It's the gospel. And not only is it the gospel, it's being this new creation in Christ Jesus. Sammy, if we can catch up just a little bit, please. We've got a couple slides here. Thank you. And we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, right? And that's called progressive sanctification in our lives. Now, may I stop here and say this? 
Many times we talk about progressive sanctification as only being a spiritual thing. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to make us more like Jesus. But may I remind you that progressive sanctification ought to apply to every area of your life. Because of the gospel, because you're a new creature, you ought to have better relationships. You ought to have better connections. You ought to be a better boss or a better employee. You ought to be a better friend or a neighbor. Progressive sanctification covers every area of our lives because we're new creatures in Christ. And the gospel makes a difference. Remember we're talking authentic and relevant? And so when you think about progressive sanctification, ask yourself, am I growing in my relationships? Husband, wife, parent, child, grandparent, grandkids, church family? Am I growing to be more like Jesus at work? In my community? At the gym, wherever you are. Authentic, relevant. You getting it? So, so important. Look at this quote by Ray Stedman, will you please? The authentic Christian life is essentially and radically different from the natural life lived by a man or a woman. Is not. Is essentially. Okay. Outwardly, it can be much the same. But inwardly, the basis of living is dramatically different. What's the basis? Jesus. Christ is part of every wholesome action, the corrector of every word, deed, or thought, the giver of joy and the healer of hurt. No longer merely on the edges of life, Christ is the center of everything. Life revolves around him. As a consequence, life comes into proper focus. Despite outward trials, a deep peace possesses our hearts. Strength grips the spirit and kindness and joy radiate abroad. This is really living. Amen? Now, this is not we are so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. We're authentic and we are relevant making a difference in this world so that we can multiply Christ-like disciples who are passionate, obedient, dependent, connected. And then they become authentic and relevant. So how do we get real? Very quickly this morning, I want to give you four truths out of this passage of Scripture about how to get real. The first one is this. Recognize we are reconciled to God. Now, we read the text, and it talks about the ministry of reconciliation. But all this, verse 18, is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. I want you to know that you were a debtor to God. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Your liabilities far outweighed your assets. And there was no way that you could bring them back into balance. Over the years, I have been a member of a number of nonprofit boards. I try to get involved in community things. I try to 
share with folks so that I can present the gospel. I try to be a witness because, quite frankly, I have to go find my mission field. I mean, I meet, work with you guys all the time, right? So I got to go out and find a mission field. And I many times will do that through nonprofit boards and share in the community. I will long remember a meeting where we are we're trying to get a budget prepared for the next year. Don't you love budget meetings? Now, as we looked at the budget, it was going to be a pretty good year. And we were going to have over $100,000 in excess if the budget worked out the way it was supposed to. Somebody could go, woo But then the board was given something that they'd never seen before. They were given a copy of bills payable. And we looked at the past 60 days, and there was a quarter million of dollars in bills payable that was over 60 days old. We looked at each other and said, how in the world are we going to work this budget? Because that new budget that looked like it would have a $100,000 balance did not take into account the bills payable. It was then I wanted to hand in my resignation for that nonprofit. Now, I use that illustration not to badmouth the nonprofit. I use that illustration to remind all of us that that's where we are. We look at our lives and we say, man, it's okay. We're going to have a good balance. We're doing all right. We're going to make it. I mean, we're at the end of the year, right? Next Sunday is December 1st. And you look back over 2019 and you see God's faithfulness and we've done okay and God's been good. But in our lives, before we were reconciled to God, there was a balance so big that none of us could pay it. And when we start thinking of ourselves as being pretty good, we'd better remind ourselves of the debt that we had to God that cost him, his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Kind of changes things, doesn't it? And if we're going to be real, we need to understand something about reconciliation. And God, only way to reconcile, to balance the books, to bring it back to what he intended it to be, was to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Everybody take a deep breath. And so if we're going to be authentic and relevant, we better understand it's not about us, it's about him. We don't have anything to offer. It's not about what we're doing. It's about who he is and what he has done. It's not about our influence. It's not about our being able to 
share truth. It's all about God sending his son to die for us. Not only do we need to understand something about reconciliation, we need to engage our culture. Why? Because God has given to you and to me the ministry of reconciliation. Our culture will not understand God's love unless you and I share it with them. And I want you to note two things. Look toward the end of verse 18. Do you see the word ministry there? Make note of that. Look toward the end of verse 19. Do you see the word message there? Make note of that. Because as we engage the culture God has given to you and to me, the ministry and message of reconciliation. Now the word ministry there is an interesting word. It is the Greek word that is used for word. Did I confuse you? It's the word lagos. You and I have been given the word of reconciliation. We're the ones who have to tell it. We're the ones who have to speak it. We're the ones who have to share it. We're the ones who have to be authentic and relevant to let people know about it. You know, people don't know what they don't know. Duh. And the more I talk to folks, the less they know about God's love and how he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for their sins. We live in a culture that is biblically illiterate. And you and I have the word. We have the cure. We have the understanding of the resources that will make a difference in our life. And we have the message. And it's the message of reconciliation. God can balance your books. God can bring you back to a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. God can give you new life as a new creation in Christ. You can know God's love when everything has fallen apart around you. You can know that nothing will ever separate you from the love of God that's given to us in Christ Jesus. That's good stuff, right? It's called the gospel. The good news. And no matter what's going on in your life, you and I have the ministry and the message to help people out. This morning in our ABF class, someone said, people in our culture are looking for answers. That's true. You know why? Because our culture doesn't make sense. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And I'm not going to start naming a whole bunch of issues in our culture. But if you just look at the culture, it doesn't make any sense. Just, just doesn't make any sense. And yet you and I know how to make sense out of it. 
is that God loves us and God's in control and God did everything necessary for you to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that makes sense. And how do we do that? We're ambassadors. We are ambassadors for God. You know, ambassadors don't set policy. You're aware of that, aren't you? If any of you watched the uh, interesting proceedings off of Capitol Hill this past week, you discovered very quickly that the conflict sometimes is that ambassadors try to make policy. We don't make policy. God makes the policy. The authority makes the policy. The one who is in charge is the one who makes the policy. An ambassador simply is a representative. A representative of the one who is authorized. And you and I look at it in verse 20. Are ambassadors for whom? You see it? Let me ask again. I expect a response this time. You and I are ambassadors for whom? Amen. If we're going to be real, we have to understand who sets the policy. And lastly, we need to live the life. I went into chapter 6 down through verse 10 because I wanted to be reminded of how Paul was living the life and it wasn't easy. Did you pick it up? Verse 4, we are servants of God, commend ourselves in every way. How? Great endurance, afflictions, harshness. Folks, that's it. I'm sorry. I really am. But if we're going to live the life, that's what we're going to face. It's not easy. Anybody who tells you that once you accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior, everything is going to be hunky-dory, has not read their Bibles. Let me give you an assignment this week. Read 1 Peter. 1 Peter talks about suffering and how we respond to that in our life. But I want you to jump down to verse 10. Verse 10 of chapter 6. As sorrowful, we always rejoice. As poor, oh, we are so rich. As having nothing, we got it all in Jesus. Amen? That's what the gospel is all about. And as we have done our wellness check this past year, we have looked at what it means to be a healthy church. And part of that evaluation has to do with the assignment that we believe God has given to us. To multiply Christ-like disciples who are passionate about their God. Obedient to His Word. Dependent upon Him in prayer. Connected to one another. And who are authentic and relevant. Who are real. So that we can multiply Christ-like disciples. Amen? 
And that's the work of God in all of our lives. What's he doing in your life? How are you being challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Christ as a new creature in Christ? With the ministry of reconciliation, engaging our culture, ambassadors, and living the life. That's what it's all about.